When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, UCF and USF fans, and welcome to the War on I-4 podcast on the Five Reasons Sports Network, uh, free for one of the first times and only times that you will get to hear us for free. Uh, I am Jeremy Taché, here representing uh, the UCF fandom, and on the other side of this argument with the school called the University of South Florida, we have Josh Pell and Tito Benach. Hello, fellas. How are you guys doing? Hello. Hello. How's it hanging? How's it hanging? Uh, all right, so let's just get right into this. Uh, <laughs> Didn't even answer his question. Uh, I'm not no, going to. Answer I'm doing that. well. I'm doing well. I'm glad. I'm glad you're doing great. Uh, yeah. So uh, we have two top 25 teams here being represented. That's UCF at number 10 in the AP poll and USF at number 23 in the AP poll. Uh, also the coaches poll. Uh, and that's after a victory for USF at UMass. Um, so I would love to get your collective thoughts, gentlemen, on where things stand for you uh, as USF is now five and O right. Five and O there was a bye week in there uh, five and O and a top 25 team in the nation. So either one of you can jump right in and sort of get going with your thoughts on that victory. Well, first off, thanks for your permission. Uh, second off, I, I am concerned about our defense. Uh, 58 points, Jordan Cronkwright to stud. I'll get to him a, a little bit later, but they gave up 29 first downs to UMass. They gave up 400 passing yards to UMass. Uh, the penalties remain a huge concern. Um, I guess the positive defensively is that they forced five turnovers, although I believe a couple of them were on special teams. But still, uh, that defense, that pass defense is concerning to me. Um, I, you know, They're going to obviously have to play uh, UCF coming up. Cincinnati's a much better team this year. They're in the top 25 this week. Um, Tulsa hasn't playing uh, teams close this year. They played Texas close. They almost beat uh, Houston on the road before they kind of ran out of gas. Um, so that's not going to be a gimme game uh, this Friday either. Uh, that defense really concerns me. Um, 58 points um, offensively. It's about what you'd expect against UMass. Um, Blake Barnett throws too many interceptions for my liking. He, only, he threw one on, on Saturday, but uh, I feel like that's becoming kind of an issue for him is, is the, the, the interceptions. Um, Jordan Crockwright is so clearly better than everybody else in the field every game, no matter what this season um, that he's played in. Um, and I think that Saturday you can see really the, the difference in talent that he has. I mean, that is an SEC starting running back playing against a team like UMass, and he made it look like that, running for over 300 yards, mm-hmm. setting a conference record, setting a school record. Um, I will also say this, um, not about the game itself, but just about the fact that they went and played at UMass – that's awful. USF should never go to UMass. Ever. Ever. 
Whenever, whenever going back there too, right? Like that's the last game in the series. Like where you don't have to play. Yeah. If you sign a, a deal with UMass, it's a two for one and you cancel the one that you go there. Right. That's the way it should have been. Yeah. This is a terrible deal that they even had to make this trip. Um, but thankfully they won 58-42. They covered the spread, but they gave up 42 points to a really bad team. So who can score? In fairness to UMass, they, they have proven they've been able to score this year, but you can't be giving up 42 to UMass. Cannot happen. Right. Yeah. Tito, um, any, any thoughts there? Uh, echoing exactly what Josh said, uh, concerns that have been here throughout this entire season that aren't being you know, fixed or attempted to be resolved. First and foremost, the defense. Uh, at first, what it seemed like after the Georgia Tech game, it kind of seemed like I thought this defense had kind of found what it was going to be, like its identity, you know, that they were going to work through the defensive line. And well, in fairness, they've been good in the second half of each game. Like, there's been an improvement from the first to second half, I think, until Saturday. I think that's when we kind of saw that the problems. Right. And, and to your point, you know, they lost a lot on the defensive line entering the season. They there did. Was a lot of, there was going to be a lot of young players coming in and stepping up. However, the, 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 the cowbell for this defense was supposed to be the secondary. And what's, like Josh said, I mean, they got torched. And, and look, they lost Devin Abraham and they lost Dietrich Nichols. But, but they still have Mazzy Wilkins, still have Ronnie Hoggett. So both Jamar started Thomas, playing. Jamar Thomas, Thomas. Yeah. Uh, uh, Mazzy, yeah, like you said, Mazzy Wilkins. And, and even uh, Natron Culpepper is supposed to be still on the team. So it's, it's concerning. I mean, yeah, there's some doubt whether or not he's still with the team. So um, it's concerning because the competition only gets tougher from this point on. And there's, the lingering issues have not been fixed. The penalties – USF is still one of the highest teams in the conference in allowing penalties to kill drives and, and just penalty yardage. Uh, the offensive line is still a massive work in progress. I mean, I think the coaches prior to the season tried to, you know, as discreetly as possible say that the offensive line was kind of going to be an issue this year. Oh. It's, it's, it's a massive issue. I mean, it's, it's concerning when Blake Barnett just can't get throws off and, you know, I think uh, what happened the past couple of years was we were disguised by Quentin Flowers being able to just make magic in the backfield and, and be able to, you know, get out of the, these pressures and evade the sacks. So I think now those deficiencies are really beginning to show up um, to the point. So of what, kind of, what kind of toy is your dog playing with right now? Rio's playing, he's playing with a green monkey. Uh, he, he is all in on playing right now. So I'm I, glad we could paint the visual for our listeners so yeah, they can know what that squeaking is going on in the background. I would mute myself but then I wouldn't be able to talk. That made me make this podcast better. But That he, should be the I would mute myself but I wouldn't be able to talk should be your uh, <laughs> your should be your Twitter bio. <laughs> anyway, anyway, continue what you were saying. Uh, no, but just to echo Josh on, on most of his thoughts, the final one, Jordan Cronkite, he's a man-child man. I mean, it's it's so obvious, like he said, how yeah. much better he is than everybody else. He, his mentality. Not, not, not in a bad way, by the way. No, like, but good. he's like, his mentality on the field is, is like, I'm going to either run through you or I'm going to run by you. He's and a beast. It's crazy. He is. And I remember when he committed to USF coming out of UF, uh, the one thing I kept hearing was that Charlie liked him coming out of high school and felt like, He's the exact type of running back that Charlie Strong has always wanted. The, the physical bruiser who is capable of still breaking off big runs, similar to what he had in Deontay Foreman at, at the University of Texas. Mm -hmm. So 
I think, you know, Cronkite has kind of found a groove now. And for USF, I mean, this makes Sterling Gilbert super happy because he can just run the HB dive a thousand times and, you know, point to Jordan Cronkite. But the matter of the fact is, I still think that this offense, it's not, it hasn't reached its full potential. There's still a lot of things that are left out in the field. There's still drives that are getting killed because of penalties and poor offensive line play. And I know I sound like a broken record, but the schedule just gets more difficult from this point on. Like it, yep. it really does. So they're, they're, they're beating the lower teams, but they're not pummeling them the way they should be just because of the talent gap. And it's, it's weird. Like from, you would think a USF team would exploit most of the other teams in the conference through speed. And they're trying to do it through power. And I, I just, I don't, I don't get that, but I mean, they're five and oh, and I'm not going to complain about being right. And I will say this too. Johnny Ford has been fantastic too. Yes. Other option yeah. in the backfield had a couple touchdowns, nine carries, almost 80 yards um, on Saturday. Um, I think what you said there at the end um, about how, you know, it's, it's such a different time now in 2018 with this program, because when I was a freshman at USF it was uh, Skip Holtz's final season there and they won three games. And right. I think we've talked about this before on this podcast. Right. And then it's my second year there. They went two and 10 and they won four games. And I remember how laborious it was to the thought of getting to six wins and the past three or four seasons, we've gotten so spoiled oh, for sure. with how many games yeah. they won that I like we're being so nitpicky uh-huh. or being so negative, like this team's 0 and 5 and not 5 and 0. Um, oh. But that's fans. That's it. Welcome, right. welcome, it, welcome to fanhood in the American Athletic Conference. Right. It, we've never been at this, uh, this crescendo of being a sports fan. God, shut up. And, <laughs> and uh, I think part of it. Is, that's a lot like that. That's a lot like what, what uh, your dog's name is Rio. And that's a lot yeah. like what Ron, Bosch, and Wade used to yes, tell. Yes, they used to tell Rio to shut up all the time. Yeah. yeah, but oh, I I just think but like and Josh, you can agree with this with me. Like the the point I made about you know exploiting teams through speed and not like that's UCF, what that but was, UCF that was is doing yeah. that now. That's what UCF is doing. They know they have the utmost speed and they're taking advantage of it. Whereas USF is trying to I guess mix and match it with with being a physically strong team. Both. And I, they're trying to do both. Right. And right. I, I get, I get why. And I get that this is Charlie Strong's identity, but there has to be a point where it gives, man. Like you've got, you've got Cronkrite, you've got Salomon, you've got Tyree McCants, all these players who are willing to make plays on the boundary, yet you continue to try to work in between the hashes. And I just, I don't get it. McCants no. is such an animal. Every time I watch yeah, him, I just have to make a note for a second. Every time I watch that guy play, I can't believe, like he's, such a beast and I think he'll continue to be a beast at whatever level he plays like I think that guy's an NFL player I agree I just don't know if it's a wide receiver I think he's right. gonna be an H-back uh, in the pros. yeah he's gonna yeah. agreed agreed uh I will yeah I hope you remember Tyree McCants after what he did to one of your oh, players oh my god well he did to your entire team five yards last year on the yeah. first on the first well, that was the first drive of the game right right did he have like did he have like 200 yards receiving in the first yes, half he did. yeah it was something insane like that he's amazing Amazing. Um, anyway, I, I I think that you know, as you said, Charlie's trying to have it both ways, um, but more so more so Sterling Gilbert because Charlie doesn't have much to do with the offense. I mean, right? Charlie, right. Charlie hired Sterling because that's I guess his vision of what it should be, but um, it, it it does get frustrating. But at the same time, um, Jordan Cronkite is not a Marlon Mack type. He's more of the no. you know not someone that's going to go east west. As you said earlier, he's just going to go run 
try and run straight through, uh, right through you. And so you play when you run the ball, you want to play to his strengths. Um, I think Blake Barton, I think the personnel kind of dictates why they don't utilize their speed more uh, like they had been with Quinton. I, obviously, Quinton and, and Blake Barnett are two entirely different quarterbacks. Barnett can still run, but I mean, obviously, let's be honest, like, not really going out on a limb to say that Blake Barnett uh, is not Quinton. Mobilize a tree. <laughs> right. So I, uh, I, I, I get what you're saying, but I don't, I don't think they have the personnel to necessarily do what they used to do. I, I think right. that having the good mix of, what, of, of the two, I think, is, is good for where they're at. I'm really glad that we've just been able to reference the HB dive from Sterling Gilbert in every single one of the podcasts that we've done thus far. We've, we've, we've been able to reference all of the same things in every podcast, which means we're doing a great job. Um, <laughs> on, uh, we're really diversifying our, our thoughts. Um, moving, moving forward from the, from the USF side to the UCF side from this past weekend, another blowout victory for UCF, uh, they win this one 48 to 20 uh, against SMU. Um, and it was so underwhelming. Like, UCF came out firing, um, you know, scored a bunch in the first quarter, and then just kind of slowed down. And, and Mackenzie Milton got hurt um, in the first half of this game. He got hit scrambling. Um, and I was petrified. Your heart stopped. Yeah, my heart, heart stopped. My heart, no, I got more than anything I've ever, like, I don't know if I've ever, and I was, so I was up in, um, I was visiting my, my girlfriend's family and I was watching the game with them and I had to pretend like I wasn't having a literal panic attack when I saw Mackenzie Milton get hurt. I had to pretend like, oh yeah, you know, the quarterback's hurt and it's just, you know, it'll be fine. Everything's fine. When, meanwhile, on the inside, I was, you know, it, it was like, uh, uh, like that episode of SpongeBob when there's all the little guys in his brain that are running around throwing away all the files. It, that was me, except they were all just screaming for no reason. Um, and so, yeah, well, <laughs> that's, how I, that's how I was feeling. Um, basically, I, I was just really underwhelmed. The last couple of games from Mackenzie Milton, um, even though statistically he's been fine, um, you know, last week he was the Walter Camp Award winner, um, and he was not great. Uh, the last couple of weeks, he's hovered right around 50% in terms of completion. They're taking – I think the thing is um, – This is the most spoiled podcast ever. I swear no, to God. No, it is. But, and I'll get to the good. <laughs> I'll get to the good. Don't worry. Um, but uh, they're taking a lot of shots downfield because they know they're so much faster and they're so much better than uh, the teams that they're playing against. And so with all of the shots that they're taking downfield – Milton's been missing more of them than he's been hitting, which was not the case last year and, and really wasn't even the case at the beginning of this season. Against UConn, he, he made every single throw. Um, I don't know if last week that was because he was feeling a little uncomfortable after being beat up a little bit or if that was just more of the same. Um, but I think the UCF offense, they're almost like – they're almost spoiled. Like, they're looking for a challenge. Almost? Yeah, well, they are spoiled, um, and, and fans are spoiled as well. Um, and, and I know, look, I'm not frustrated with a four-touchdown victory. I'm sitting here nitpicking just like you guys are. A four-touchdown right. victory right. is a four-touchdown victory. But, um, unfortunately, we live in this world of style points. Um, yeah, that's and, yeah. and statistics are going to – individual statistics are going to matter because they're going to look and see Milton is X, Y, Z in terms of completion percentage, yardage, and all of those things. Um, this is now, I believe, the third or maybe fourth game where Milton, Milton has been pulled out in the fourth quarter, uh, and they won't let Daryl Mack throw the ball. They just, you know, take the foot off the gas and 
I appreciate playing with class and not trying to, you know, blow people out of the building by 40. But when you're trying to theoretically make a college football playoff, winning by 40 would be better than winning by 28. Um, again, spoiled perspective, maybe not the right perspective. Maybe I should just be grateful, but I'm not, uh, as here we are, uh, three white guys doing a podcast. Um, but anyway, uh, on, on that side of things, the thing that did impress me and the thing that made me happy is the UCF defense once again. And I got to give Randy Shannon credit um, in that the defense is vastly improved from the first game of the season. The first game of the season, I remember coming in after the UConn game, uh, coming into this podcast and feeling like Randy Shannon had no idea what was going on. These guys were sitting here, you know, wondering, looking at each other on defense, like what are we supposed to be doing looking underprepared? The last couple of weeks against Pitt and now SMU have given me hope. This defense looked prepared. This defense looked fast. The athletes were able to do what they were supposed to do in the secondary and in the pass rush. Um, and I would just say that, that the defense looks to be good, maybe, uh, which, is, <laughs> which is weird. I don't know if I could say that, but they look good. Like That's a, that's a good defense, at least um, – for the level of which they need them to be good. Now, if we can take all of what we've, what we've learned from both of these teams and, and our complaints in the top 25 rankings, um, and, and, and I can make a couple of points from there, um, and, and I just look at UCF, right? And, and we're sitting here in the space where UCF is 10, and we can't complain about UCF being in the top 10 uh, at this point in the season. Uh, they are, you know, they're undefeated. They haven't necessarily had any marquee wins. I'll, gi I'll give everyone that. But the frustrating part is kind of knowing that no matter what they do, there's going to be teams that jump ahead of them, deservedly or undeservedly. Um, and the, the, you know, the point that I can make from there being this. UCF, you know, when we look back at it, they won 18 in a row. They're averaging 48.5 points per game, beating teams by 25 per game. Uh, that's going back to last year. If you look at just this season, they're 5-0. and they're averaging 48.6 points per game and beating teams by an average margin of 31.2 points per game. That means they've outscored the five teams they've played 243 to 87. Uh, that's dominant. And the thing that frustrates me is the conversation of, well, if they weren't in the American Athletic Conference, they wouldn't be undefeated. And that's just patently false. Um, eh, I don't know if you could say it's patently false. No, I can say it's patently it's hard, false. It's hard to go undefeated. It's not. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about for the full season. I'm talking about to this point. I agree that it's hard to go undefeated, but I could even make the argument to you, look at Alabama's schedule. Well, what, if, what, 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 what if, well, what if, well, first off, that's not a real comment. Uh, no, 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 no. Thus far. Yes, I know who they played, but they, they'd beat any team in the country by a double. I'm not team. trying to say that UCF is Alabama. I'm not trying to say that UCF is Alabama. I will never try to say that UCF is this year's Alabama. No one on this podcast is trying to make that argument, and I won't try to make it. My point being that when people have the conversation and say that UCF could not be – not just would not, because the difference is between would not and could not, it, it's there. They, they could be undefeated. They could very well be undefeated. Yes. Could very well be undefeated given anybody's schedule. Um, and – and I guess the thing that frustrates me is the fact, you know, we go back to the concept of a quality loss, right? So there's three teams in the AAC East that are undefeated and in the top 25. There's only 11 undefeated teams in the country, three of which are on one side of the conference. That's UCF, USF, and Cincinnati. They're all top 25 teams. Um, 
obviously the best case for UCF is that everybody keeps winning until they all play each other, right? So the best case scenario would be that Cincinnati and USF are undefeated when they play each other on November 10th. Uh, I want to, I want to make a point really Yeah, quick. please. Uh, I, I, you, you're take, you're cherry picking your schedules, uh, Alabama. So let's say, let's say they play LSU schedule, Miami neutral mm-hmm. site to open the year at Auburn at Florida through six games. They're not going to be five and one. That team's not going to win five games. I don't, I, I don't completely disagree. So like, I don't, I, I, I don't like agree with you. I don't, I don't like, in general, I don't like those. I think UCF is head and shoulders. I think UCF no. is head and shoulders better than Miami. I don't think it's close. Mm. Then this year's Miami team. I think it's the number one defense. Wait, in the but to tell me, but to tell me, to tell me that 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 UCF would is not better than Miami is just it's the wrong thing to say. Is it though? Because I don't I don't think that UCF's offense can like that defense they haven't seen a defense like that a defense i understand i understand but here. i guess my my conversation they're not playing athletes on defense like that no they're, i understand and, and 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 your defense would have a ton of trouble trying to cover jeff thomas and stopping travis well, actually no i'll, I I'll disagree actually, there. I'll, I'll being the the person who splits the fandom between usf and miami here mm-hmm. i will make the argument that that miami's offense would probably with nikosi right would now struggle it would struggle. Now, would it find its way like it has in the last couple of games? Probably. Like, I think just the natural athletes would probably take over. But I don't think that's a blowout for Miami. No, UCF has scored. I think 30, my, yeah. UCF has scored thirty or more points in eighteen straight games. Well, I get that. I get that. And my I point being, not, I understand that Miami has a great defense. Miami also gave up thirty-three points to LSU. Like. I understand what you guys are talking about. LSU's offense is not UCF's offense. It's not. And so the conversation is, yes, of course, UCF's defense would struggle against better athletes coming from the other side of the ball. Yes, UCF's offense would not be averaging 50-something a game or close to 50 a game against the SEC caliber defenses. The point being that when you're, you're given a schedule and you're blowing teams out by 30-plus per game, that's all you could do. Right. So, of course, so I agree with that. I agree approach, with that 100%. We, yeah, and when we approach the other side of it, when we approach the conversation and say they couldn't be undefeated against these other schedules, there's obviously no way of knowing, right? So we can have the right. semantics that's conversation. That's why I don't like the yeah, And that's that. fine. We can argue the semantics of that, right? Mm-hmm. But – Going forward from here, here's where we are. UCF is undefeated. They are 5-0, and right? I just think it's complicated to just gift teams in the Power 5 the opportunity to jump over them without necessarily multiple marquee wins. So, and just hear me out for the rest of this. When you say UCF, or for that matter, USF, couldn't compete in the ACC, and I'll take the ACC They could compete, but they would, they'd be a middle-of-the-road ACC team. Uh, I don't think I agree with Both you. Both teams would be middle-of-the-road. You should say USF, that's fine. I think UCF would be at least what Miami is. Like, I think Clemson is the only team in the ACC that I would say is better than UCF, and wow. I'm not even sure at the moment. See, I, I think ACC? No. No, 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 no. I, I don't understand I where, where your logic is. Where's your logic? Where's your logic that says that that's not the case? 
Because how can you tell me? I haven't seen them play the type of teams that they're playing. Right, I understand that. But but you talk about the types of teams. Virginia, Georgia Tech, Pitt. These teams are yes. Not, that's that's the le- that's right above those those teams. That's the ACC. That's it. They're not. Florida they're not. State they're not that. better. They're not better than a healthy Virginia Tech. They're not. But Virginia Tech is not healthy. Okay, Virginia but I'm telling you, going into a season with a healthy quarterback, he's obviously not anymore. No, but, but this is my okay, point. But we're not talking about right now. We're talking about in the grand scheme of things. No, but I am talking about this season. Jeremy, am, no, 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 no. But you, but you're not though. But you're not, is what I'm saying. No, but what I'm talking about is I'm going, I'm going to this year. So what I'll, what I'll say yes, is – this year they are, they are probably in the top four teams of the ACC. Okay. Yeah. okay I'll, but, I'll give them that. No, no, no. Okay, but, but, but my conversation being – the conversation being and the reason I go there and the reason that I'm, I'm taking this to that point is we have a conversation about Miami. Miami is going to go the rest of the way undefeated because they – You're play, also not better than NC State. They play a bunch of okay, bad teams. Come on. The, come come on. on. They play a bunch of bad teams the rest of the way, Miami does. A bunch of bad teams. Not a single ranked team. Not a team that's close to being a ranked team. A Virginia Tech that lost to Old Dominion. Virginia Tech this year is not Virginia Tech as what they should be because they have an injured quarterback and they're not as good as they should have been. So Miami will play no one, get to an ACC championship game, and if by some miracle they beat Clemson, they're going to get into the playoff ahead of a UCF. 100% they should. Right. They're only lost to a top five LSU team at the first game of the year. Right, but they and have one good win. Conference play but they have one good win. Conference play and beat a team and win a conference championship over Clemson, who's been in the college football playoff the last three years. Of course they're going to get in. With a different quarterback, and they have one good win. This is my point. So we're going we're gonna, to – wait, Josh, just listen. Just listen to what I have to say about this. Just hear me out. I understand that. But Miami – You don't, is, though, because you're saying the opposite of that. No, but listen to me. Miami's playing a cupcake schedule besides LSU. They lost the one tough game that they played. They lost the one tough game that they played. And so from going and winning one tough game, UCF theoretically might have three ranked wins after beating Cincinnati, USF, and Houston. I'm not saying that any of those teams, any of those teams are even close to what Clemson is. I'm not. But we can't as... As, um, as a ranking system, pick and choose what we need from different teams because we just consider the ACC to be a tougher task than the AAC is my point. That's my only point. My point being just because... <laughs> no, but my, my point, it's not. Going and beating Virginia and Georgia Tech... Virginia is, Virginia is a good team this year. They're not great. They're a good team this year. Virginia would be in the top three. Would, I mean, obviously be... They'd be USF, UCF, and Virginia in the AAC. Virginia's a good team this year. I don't know why right. you're making okay. that face. So, Virginia, for a good team. so maybe Virginia's the wrong example. But talking yes. about – okay, so Pitt and Virginia Tech, who's not as good. And I, I'm just – I'm looking at the rest to me, of the To me, I think a good comparison to what UCF is right now is Syracuse, honestly. I think offensively, I think that's a good comparison. I think Eric Dungey and Mackenzie Milton are very similar. Oh, yes, oh, absolutely. Man. Same no, style, 100% please. the same. I'm going to push. Their defense, their right, defense, no hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Their defense is not as good as UCF's, obviously. Their defense has been what's giving them issues, and I think they'd be 5-1 with that close loss to Clemson if their defense was better. The defense can't stop anybody uh, at Syracuse. But offensively, that offense is about as, as explosive – as any I've seen this season and last season, really. Um, Dino Babers is a great offensive mind. And, yeah. and um, when, you, when you hear these, uh, when you see these teams, you say, oh, Pete beat Syracuse or could beat Syracuse. Yes, because a lot of those teams are, are, are on the same level. Obviously, a loss to North Carolina is not great. 
but it speaks to the parity in that conference where just like you're cherry picking and looking at records. If you look at the teams, like a lot of them are just the same. They're quality teams and they're the same. So they're, when they play each other, they're going to beat each other. Not everybody can go 11 and one in the ACC when you play, you know, right. against each other. It's not going to happen. I understand that. But to, to argue that, I guess I just don't understand the logic behind arguing that UCF is Syracuse when Pitt beat Syracuse and lost by 30 to UCF. I don't understand that's, that logic. That's that's, that doesn't make any I sense. Said, I said their offense. I, I understand. Offense. Right, right, but, you, right. but then you can't, you can't make them the same team if it's just about the offense. This is my point. Like, what all I'm trying to say, I'm not saying that UCF would go undefeated every single season in, in, in the, sounds uh, like in it's the what ACC. That, no, but that sounds like it's what you're saying. No, I think you're trying to think that that's what I'm saying because you no, think because it is what you're a saying. Homer. Oh, no, what but I'm trying to say is that this season, this season, UCF, besides Clemson, is the next best team and what that conference would be. It's by the rankings right now. Everyone in the nation agrees with me. My point being that that after at the end of the season, UCF will have as many quality victories as Miami will, and for that matter, as Clemson will. Because Clemson isn't beating top 25 teams Okay, either. so UCF's better than Clemson. No, okay. I'm not making that argument. I'm making that at the end of the day, if you look at the resume, because what I'm, what I'm having the conversation about, I'm not, I'm not saying the best teams don't always make the playoff, Josh. We've had that conversation before. The best teams don't always the best, make the playoff. The best, the best four teams made the playoff last year. Yeah, last year. That's fine. But in years past, that hasn't always been the case. Example? Ohio State. Ohio State. Yeah, when they had two losses, they didn't deserve to be there. Ohio State wasn't one of the best teams in the country that year. They ended up yeah, winning yeah. it, but that's fine. No, 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 no. I'm talking about two years ago when Clemson what? 31 nothing. Oh, right, right, we're right. Right. Ohio State they, they had no business being in a playoff. Right. Yeah. Ohio State had no business being in the playoff. There's Agreed. multiple years where that's the case. And Agreed. so all I'm trying to have the conversation about is if we're going to talk about resumes, if we're going to talk about resumes, at the end of the day, losses to good teams shouldn't count as better than wins over bad teams. And that's the conversation that stems in this conference from the beginning. If you no, go undefeated – Josh, if you go undefeated in the American Athletic Conference and you get multiple top 25 wins and you're beat, not just skate, skating by like what USF is doing, if you're beating people by 30 a game, 30 a game. Okay, hold on, hold on. Okay, but you, you said they're not, just skating, they're not just skating by. Well, you're, one of your big wins, well, I know you're talking about this, but one of your big wins last year when you all were saying how you should have been in the college football playoff because you were yeah. undefeated. Uh, one of your, touchdown, your, your two probably, of them. Yes, those yes. were your two biggest wins. So right, against you're going against your own point. Yes, okay, but... But, you're, but we weren't ranked. So I guess that ruins your argument. Does it not? I mean, you're, 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 your argument is that we beat ranked teams. It's a very arbitrary thing. The only rankings that will matter at the end of the year are the college football playoff rankings, not right. AP rankings. Right. They're not going to matter. So that committee will look at Cincinnati and USN and Pittsburgh and would have been UNC. Right. But, and they'll say, all right, let's compare those wins to – Hey, it's Ethan Skolnick for Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. As you know, we heard from Pat Riley recently. Everybody has an opinion on trades, free agency, who they should keep, who they should give up, who they should get. Well, whatever it is that Riley and the Heat do, you don't want them giving up too much and getting too little, right? Well, the same is true of shaving products, and that's why I use Harry's Shaving products. I love the way it handled. I love the way it looks, and I love the quality of the shave. I have a little bit of trouble growing out a good beard so better to just shave it off and make sure that it looks somewhat professional. These are German-engineered blades made in their own factory, so they stay sharp longer. It means you can use them 
longer. And also, they've got customizable delivery options for scheduled refills as low as two bucks, half of what you pay for other big brands. Also, I would recommend the shaving lotion as well and the body wash. So check it out. You can go to harrys.com backslash five. That's harrys.com backslash five. You'll get a $13 trial set for just three bucks. Again, don't pay too much and get too little. Same is true of shaving as NBA transactions. Harrys.com backslash five for your $3 trial set. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Whatever SEC wins or whatever ACC wins, Miami will have. Because Miami beating Clemson will be better than any win you see at Ohio. Of course, of course. Any, any one of them. Of course. Anyone. And again, a loss to LSU at the beginning of the year, who was a top five team, is... 100% going to be held less against Miami. Not a top five if, team when they play. Okay, but Clemson – okay, so because Clemson lost to Pitt last year – or mm-hmm. to, uh, to uh, Syracuse last year. Right. And Pitt the year before that, they yeah. shouldn't have been in the, in the playoff the last two years? No, of course not. Josh, okay. Josh, Josh, all I'm trying to say is that to give teams that all year long, all year long have proven to be not as good as UCF. Miami, right now, everyone in the country knows, besides Miami fans, that UCF is better than Miami. You can go all around the country. I still not, I'm still not sold on that, though. Like, I don't, I don't think that's the case. I don't think that if you put those two teams in the field right now, that uh, uh, given 100%, UCF is winning. I just don't think so. I think you'd say that from, like, just yeah, maybe off of face value. Off of face value, you can probably say that. But when the, when the game is played, I of think. Of course, right, because football. But that's what, that's, but that's what you're basing your argument. But that's what you're basing your argument off of, is that right now, UCF better than Miami. With, right. Uh, looking at uh, pieces of paper and things on your computer screen. But you can't do it that way. But that's how we do everything. Like, I, I don't understand why now we're deciding not to go by what the rankings are and by what the entire process has always because, been. Because, because it's, it's, it's clearly been that there are two different criterias, and we'll agree here, that there are two different criterias for the, the group of five and the power five. And that's the reality of it. And, right. and they, uh, they look at – it doesn't matter if, if we're ranked or if Cincinnati's ranked. It doesn't matter. We're going to get looked at differently. Mm-hmm. And – like we're quality teams, but again, I if you put us, if you put the three of us, you just it, talked about your SEC running back, but continue. But come on, because he, he was there and he played. I'm, I'm just screwing with you. I'm just screwing okay. with you. Continue, right. continue. And it's not like he was a kid who never found I, the field. No, guys, I, I I'm messing around. Uh, relax. I'm just I'm just poking right. your buttons now. Right. So continue. I apologize. I'm just pushing I, buttons. Can I just point. say something here? Can I just say something here? Like yeah. we we had discussed this a little bit before the podcast started, mm-hmm. which is the moment. USF loses, right? They're unranked, Josh. Right. No question about it. The moment. The moment they lose, they're unranked. Mm-hmm. Now, the moment UCF loses. And it was like that last year, too. They'll still right. be ranked. No, no. The moment UCF loses, they probably drop significantly, but stay ranked. Yeah, like, well, because they're number 10. Right, but they drop significantly. Just right. because, like Josh just said, mm-hmm. rated on a completely different criteria. Yes. Whereas, you know, if, like, for, like, example, this past weekend, LSU – Legit lost to Florida, yet is still ranked in front of them. Why? 
that's that's for the reasons that the the voters may choose themselves right but i think the point that josh is trying to make here is the fact that regardless of how ucf finishes the season they they could literally run the table right mm-hmm. and i think if they do and i i genuinely believe this if they do they will they'll i think they're gonna make it in i really do if they run the table they win i the think they'll be hard if, if they'll the the, the Playoff committee will be hard pressed. It will be hard pressed to leave them out. They'll put now, Notre Dame, but but that's what we're lot. saying is that the margin of error here for the G five schools is zero. Like the that's moment you lose, it's over. It's done. Now you can't say that for Alabama because I think three out of the four years that they've made it, they've had one loss. They've had a loss. It's always a quality loss, and that's right. where I I can kind of see what you're saying, Jeremy. That's my the only fact point. That, that it's like oh you know it, Alabama loses to Kentucky. And that's considered a quality, quality loss. But if, loss. But if but if UCF runs the table, or, or sorry, if UCF drops a game to USF, or right. if they drop a game to to Cincinnati, who may stay ranked at the end of the year, it's not considered a quality loss. It's right. considered, you know, you lost to a lesser opponent. Right. I, and I that's can see your frustration in that. I right. And so my frustration in that is on two levels. Number one, a loss to a USF dropping you 15 spots is going to be insane, right? To begin with. Right. I mean, but the level more so that if you don't make a mistake, that the teams that do, right, okay. it's irrelevant. That is my point off the top of all of this. So I was just trying to use the ACC as an example here. I'm not trying. We spent way too much time, and, and I apologize to our listeners, because we ended up spending way too much time arguing about the logistics of where UCF would be ranked within the ACC. That's irrelevant this season. That's irrelevant ever because they're not dialogue. in the ACC. It was great dialogue. It was fantastic. But, 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 when, but, when you're, but, uh, but it, is, it is relevant when you're comparing them to other teams in that conference and you're trying to say, oh, well, they're better because they play a different schedule. Like, you, you can't look at records of, of teams in that conference. There are I, good teams there that will finish with four or five losses. Of course, because, they, because they all beat up on each other. But my point being is that I guess, hmm, I, I guess my point would be UCF is doing what the best of the best in the country do. They're blowing out teams of lesser quality. Right. So Clemson goes out and blows out Wake Forest. Florida State is bad this year. I understand it's a rivalry game. I'm not trying to say anything specifically about Miami and Florida State because that's a rivalry game. But Miami squeaking by against Florida State is my example. USF is not UCF this year. They're squeaking by opponents. Miami is not Clemson this year. They're squeaking by opponents. This is not to say that UCF is Clemson or that UCF is head and shoulders above Miami. I... I apologize for even making that so, the conversation. You know, I didn't mean for it to go there. My point. It, it would be a fun. It would be a fun and interesting. It's gonna end up being. It's gonna end up being the Orange Bowl or something like that. Like those two teams uh, are gonna be playing. Uh, it's gonna be Bowl, UCF Orange in Florida Bowl. or U, UCF in Miami. Orange Bowl is a college football playoff semifinal this year. It's okay. So some sort of bowl game. When UCF doesn't end up making it, the Peach Bowl is going to be UCF against one of the Florida schools, whether that be UF or UM. And right. it's and again, you're just assuming that you're going to beat us at the no. end of the year. Okay. okay, right. All right. So sorry, I'm making I'm assumptions. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I, right. I mean, I, guess, I think that's a fair assumption at this point. I, I'm this kidding. Point, right, but my my, I guess what's just, I guess the uh, uh, to sum this all up, and I apologize that it took so long to get there, but UCF is going to be a team that blew out the one power five opponent that they played mm-hmm. that you just said is a middle of the road ACC team. Right. They're blew them out. It was never close. They're going to have three 
or I could make the argument for quality wins because at Memphis on national TV is not easy. Now Memphis is four and two. They're having a down year, but they're scoring, you know, I think, what is it? I think they're scoring 58 a game at home. I can tell you right now. You just give me a second. I think they're scoring 58 per game at home. You can double check me on that. But uh, they're averaging 46 points per game. I don't know about at home though. Yeah, I think it's I think it's 58 a game at home. And UCF yeah, you're gets right. Every- yep, yep okay. you're right. Okay, cool. So UCF's getting everyone's best shot. Um, you're playing with a target on your back. You're gonna have three or four quality wins and zero quality losses when that time comes. But, and, but Jeremy, and, and I, I understand I, that it's not the gauntlet. I get it. I'm no, not trying to make I, the comparison. Look, I get what you're saying because, like, if like, and I, if, I'm gonna put, do an example here. If I was in your shoes mm-hmm. and UCF was USF was doing what UCF was saying, I'm probably saying the exact same thing. Right. But to the voters that that literally look at the score and the the opponent, and then they right. check what conference that opponent is. Memphis isn't that good. They think Memphis is just not that good. They right. think USF sucks, probably. Right. They think Cincinnati probably sucks. They don't watch I don't, I don't, I don't think they think that USF and Cincinnati suck with voting. Well, but in well, no, but for college to... football playoff. Purpose, oh, yeah. 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 Like, right. no, the AP Top 25 is a whole other realm. No, but what no, I'm saying people, is. People, people, people don't look at uh, a team like Syracuse and Cincinnati as a saying. They look at Syracuse as being a better team. Right. No, they, they just literally look at the score. Like, that's why Josh and I, and, and Jeremy knows this, we've been saying, like, when Charlie Strong lets up the lets his foot off the gas in these games and he only wins by twenty, that's what I'm saying. Bad. Yeah, right. and that's where I started beating this. the brakes off of teams by thirty. Right, and, and like I get it. Like UCF doing everything they're supposed to. Mm-hmm. They're doing right. everything they're supposed to. Yet there's this. And they're not going to get a shot. And that's my point. I, I think you're you're still you're saying that based off of what happened last season. I think like me and Josh said this season, if they do what they're supposed to and they remain undefeated. It'd be hard pressed to leave them out. Yeah, how, how are you? How are you going to leave out a, a team that a team that's gone and, what twenty four twenty six and zero? It would be twenty six and zero. And, right. and I and I and I give you Notre Dame. Uh, everybody yeah. loves Catholics. Yeah. Uh, who, but nonetheless. Um, okay, not to not to throw a monkey wrench in this. Yeah, because uh, I know what it, it'll probably rile Josh up. But like, uh-huh. I think UCF could beat Notre Dame. I really do. I, I won't say. I mean, they, like, it'll be like. The, of course, they'd be competitive with them. It'd right. be a good game. They have a chance to win. I'm not arguing. That's not what I'm arguing. Right. I'm right. Just saying, You're like, arguing something completely. Like, just say, just say, like, oh, if they played Miami, they'd beat Miami because Miami. Like, no, they wouldn't. Oh, like, no, not, it's, they have to play the game. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. All right. Yeah, I, I'm glad we found a middle ground there. We found a middle ground, uh, and all of that uh, leads us to where we go into our quick previews of next week. Um, Obviously, as you guys probably know, as we're about a half hour into this podcast, there has been no Brian Goins. Brian Goins will join me um, in a little bit to preview uh, the UCF uh, game against Memphis. But USF Friday night, primetime, huh? ESPN, Tulsa. How are you guys feeling about that? Is this ESPN ooze or are we on? No, I think you guys are in ESPN. Uh, That or ESPN. I think it's main ESPN. Yeah, Yeah, I think Um, it's ESPN. All right, so is this this when we see the SoFlows? Ooh. No, it's on the road. No, we're on the road. Ah, uh, but you don't know. Oh, oh, we're in Tulsa this week. Oh no, never mind. No, no, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. It we wouldn't played. Be we played, played Tulsa at home. Yet. We played Tulsa at home last last season. Last week's season. Yeah. yeah. So, so we were the white selfless, didn't we? Yes. Yeah, yes, the whites so close. So I would imagine that this week we're probably going to wear the whites again. Um, I, I will. I will make the point that I think that Tulsa has the best group of names for their quarterbacks in the country. <laughs> They have a skipper. They have a president. 
who was the kid that started last week? Um, uh, hold on. It was like Boom or something. <laughs> I'm looking this up. Tulsa quarterbacks. It's uh, yeah, Seth Boomer. Seth Boomer. There you go. Yeah, the, it's Incredible. Luke Skipper, Seth Boomer, and, as the two quarterbacks that they ran. Chad President. Oh well, no, but he, did he graduate? <laughs> He's still on the roster. He doesn't play. Oh, okay. President Skipper and Boomer. <laughs> I mean. Um, all right, I'm, I'll just say this. Uh, is that your analysis? Is that your analysis? That's my analysis. Game? Yeah. Okay. yeah, Tulsa 104th offensively in points per game. Uh, I'm going to look up there defensively because I didn't get a chance to do it prior. Mm-hmm. So, give me one second. Glad we're so I'm going to say second. They're giving up 30 points a game. Look, I, I've been saying it now for like four weeks that I think USF should blow them out of the water. I just want to win. That's all I want. Like, I, I'm just going to take another victory. Like, at this point, if we blow anybody out of the water, it would surprise me. You know, right. like we can't blow UMass or Elon out of the water. So what makes me think that we'd blow Tulsa out of the water? Um, and I think, you know, people keep saying this, and it, it drives me nuts because I hate when people say this. But like, oh, USF just plays down to their opponent, which I think is like the lamest thing. But, but it's lame. Like, that's lame. <laughs> like, you have – but Josh, we have the second best, arguably with UCF, the second or the best talent in the conference, and we can't beat Tulsa. Like we can't I beat them by at least twenty. Like that's ridiculous, man. Like it's, it's stupid. And I and I know it. I, 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 right. Okay. Right. So I. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna I, I agree with you. We're not disagreeing. Right. Yeah. Okay, no one it's, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. It and I yes. reference this. I reference this on our Twitter account, and I said. I tweeted out like, oh, fun facts about UMass, that they're 126 in total defense and that they're allowing an average of like seven yards per play. But I know for damn well, we're going to be in a 14-10 game at halftime. It was 20 to 14 at halftime. It was 20 to 14. Like, I know this team, man. Like, it's it's ridiculous how we, for whatever reason, can't play a clean game, number one. Like, we always shoot ourselves in the foot. And number two, like – like I said, Charlie just doesn't want to beat the breaks off teams. He wants to play like this. Oh, you know, I, you know, we're gonna do football the right way. And like, no, man. Nah, no more no. than the AAC, that bro. No, that doesn't work anymore. It's a, it's like, a far cry from Willie Taggart running up the score. Again. Right, Willie right. Taggart tried to score a touchdown in ECU with six seconds left, and it was fantastic. I loved it. <laughs> you know, so. Uh, I think, I, continue, sorry. No, I'm just saying. I just want us to win. That's all I want. I just want us to win because I know. Asking by a more than a 14-point victory would be like asking for the firstborn of Sterling Gilbert. Like, I, it's absurd. We, we have seen them play this game so many times the last couple of years. And it's right. going to be the same type of thing where they're going to win. It's going to be frustratingly close for the first three quarters. And they'll pull away a little bit in the end. And it'll look like it did last week in the final score, the deficit. Um, right. I, it'll be, I, I'm thinking, like, 38 to, like, 20, something like that. Yeah, it'll be 38-30. That's what I'm gonna go with. Thirty-eight twenty. That's hold on. That's how they beat them uh, my year. junior year. No, my junior year when they. Oh went, yeah, they had the the, they, the big three. The big, they were down twenty-seven-seven in the second half. Down yeah. at halftime. Oh, well, that's my favorite game I think ever at USA. Besides, uh, besides Temple. Right. Well, look at that. We got to end this part on positive vibes, guys. Congratulations. Thirty-eight twenty according to Josh. Thirty-eight thirty according to Tito. That's Friday night on ESPN. USF at Tulsa. Um, so well, we're gonna take we're gonna take a quick break to let temper settle down and come back with a a much. I'm better. not even mad. I'm so not mad. That I'm <laughs> yeah, you sound super not mad. Uh, 
anyway, uh, <laughs> Tito and Josh, thank you guys for, for chit-chatting with me and, and, and appeasing me on my, uh, my, my venting uh, for chit-chatting. <laughs> uh, and we'll be back right after this with Brian to preview uh, UCF at Memphis, 3.30 on ABC. Hey, Drew, so October is here, and in my mind, that means only one thing. It is almost time for my favorite event of the year, and no big surprise, but it's an O.J. McDuffie party. Hey, you know it, Big Seth. The 17th annual Signature Grand Ghoul presented by Calvin Giordano and Associates will take place on Monday, October 29th, and once again benefits 211 Broward, an amazing charity. We are transforming the Signature Grand into a 100,000-square-foot mansion for the sickest Halloween costume party in South Florida. And this costume party is for the grown folk, Big not people. the kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, We're talking open bar, amazing food, dancing, silent auction, and of course, contests and prizes for the most incredible costumes. And since the fish tank will be all up in the ghoul, as will a bunch of other hosts from our Five Reasons Sports family, let's do a little something special for the listeners. So what we need you to do is post a photo in your all-time greatest Halloween costume, tag your favorite Five Reasons Sports podcast, and use the hashtag Dive Into the Ghoul. And the top four costumes will have a chance to win two tickets to the Signature Grand Ghoul on that October 29th. For more information on how you can join OJ and me at the Signature Grand Ghoul, visit 211-Broward.org and call 954-390-0493 and ask for Tracy. All right, one quick disclaimer before I get started here with Brian. I'm not trying to say that UCF would 100% be undefeated with everybody else's schedule with that of a Power 5 team. Do I think they could go undefeated in the ACC? Sure. I I think they could definitely do whatever Miami is doing because I think they're just as good, if not better, than Miami. The point being, and Tito sort of alluded to it, UCF doesn't get the opportunity to make a mistake like Miami made. So where Miami will have the chance to make up for it with a victory, or Clemson can lose a game to a Pitt or a Syracuse, as they've done the last couple of years, and still gotten to the college football playoff, UCF is not afforded that opportunity because of the way that we look at their schedule. And so my point would be that UCF could absolutely, in the Big 12 or the Big 10 or the ACC or the Pac-12, maybe not in the SEC, that's fine, have an argument about it, but in any one of these conferences, they could very easily, very easily with this roster, go through and have a season with one or two losses and make a college football playoff because they could win a conference championship. And I just don't think that it is right to not be afforded that opportunity because of the distinction that we make. They can go undefeated in a conference, and it's not looked at on the same level as a team in another conference that loses a game or two. You're not afforded the opportunity to make mistakes, and even if you don't make those mistakes, you don't get the chance. That's the point I was trying to make. So, we begin here with Brian. And welcome back, Knights and Bulls fans. Uh, Bulls, well, you're probably not going to enjoy this, as this is just specifically our preview of UCF at Memphis uh, at 3.30 on Saturday on ABC and in some markets, ESPN too. Uh, I'm here joined by Brian Goins. And Brian, we're just going to jump right into this. Brian, what are your specific expectations of this game? Do you have any initial thoughts on UCF? number 10 in the country, traveling to Memphis? Um, I, I think what we were discussing before, before we started recording, it's definitely a trap game for UCF. Uh, it's no question last year Memphis um, probably had UCS two of their three uh, hardest games last season, right? Um, at least in the conference. 
or against Memphis, including the AAC championship game. And uh, this team, while many people think they're not as good as last season, especially without their quarterback and, and their sub-wide receiver, um, I mean, you can take a look on the roster. Currently, they have a quarterback that's averaging a better passing rating than Mackenzie Milton, which is really hard to imagine how that's even right. possible. Right. And, and, and could you remind <laughs> me, what, what is his name, sir? Brady? Yeah, Brady. Brady, Brady that does, does that, that scare, Does that scare you? Ladies and gentlemen, Brady. Going Brady, up. not just Brady, Brady White. Brady White. Uh, and so Brady White uh, has obviously been a part of their attack, and, and, you know, they've played well on the offensive side of the ball. But any other, any other thoughts there? Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I can throw out some of the stats. So this season, he's already completing 70% of his passes. Um, he's hitting 108 of 156 passes this season for over 1,500 yards, 15 touchdowns, and only one interception. Yeah, the one interception Pretty is the part, the one interception is the part that's going to be interesting because, um, you know, Memphis. We, we were just talking about this beforehand. They're four and two. They're one and two in the AAC. Obviously, this isn't hasn't been their year to start. Uh, they, they lost at Tulane, which was a bad loss. They lost at Navy by one point. Um, not a bad loss. You know, Navy is a good team. They upset people all the, all the time. Uh, at home, Memphis is 4-0, averaging 58 points per game at home. Yeah, 58 points per game. And so what's going to be interesting is the matchup for the UCF defense because UCF defensively has been, in a weird way, where you know UCF, I, I believe, is, is um, seventh in the nation in scoring offense, third in total offense. They've really, the defense has almost been their strength for most of this year. You know, they're 19th in scoring defense. It's a top 20 scoring defense. They're fifth in tackles for loss, eighth in turnover margin, 17th in pass defense. Um, so it is going to be interesting to see, you know, like we just said, they're eighth in turnover margin. That's where it's going to be interesting uh, to see who wins that battle. Because I believe, honestly, the team that wins the turnover battle in this game is going to be the team that wins this game. It, these two offenses, UCF has one of the best offenses in the country. But at home, Memphis very obviously has one of the best offenses in the country. And so they're going to they're gonna challenge UCF in a way that they probably haven't been challenged yet this year. Memphis is a far better team uh, than Pitt. It, it is going to be interesting to see how how this game is dictated because you talked about the fact that their quarterback's not turning over the ball but the memphis running back has really been their uh, their biggest featured player throughout most of this season uh he is number one in yards per carry in the american athletic conference so Houston's averaging 155.7 yards per game He's totaled over 900, he has over 900 uh, rushing yards so far this season on 79 carries and 12 touchdowns. Yeah, so Daryl Henderson is an absolute beast, uh, is basically what we're trying to say here. 11.8 yards per carry, yes. Yeah, it's insane. That's, that's way more than three yards per carry. Yeah, it, way more. Shout out, shout out three yards per carry. Uh, yeah, I mean, Daryl Henderson is out here running all over people, and so it will be interesting to see if UCF is able to stop them. Fifth and tackles for loss, right? That means UCF has been penetrating the offensive line of other teams. They've been dominating at the point of attack, and it will be, it, it, it will be crucial for them to do so again in this matchup against Memphis. What's another interesting part is UCF has beat Memphis 11 times in a row. 
they have an 11 game win streak against Memphis. They're they're 11 and one overall in the in the series against Memphis. Kind of makes you feel like Memphis is due, especially after last year. And and I'm not one to be overly superstitious, except that I am way too superstitious. I am one to be overly superstitious. And it kind of feels like Memphis is due for a victory here in what is a game that everyone's starting to kind of overlook. I mean, we just spent the last 40 minutes of this podcast talking about how UCF, you know, could be running the table and what should they be looking for when Cincinnati and USF play each other because they're, we're just presuming they're going to be undefeated going into it. Um, this is a game that, like you mentioned right off the top, could be a trap game for UCF. And, and we hope that's not the case, but when everything is about style points, it's not just trap game in terms of win and loss. It's UCF's got to go out and dominate every game. They're winning games by 31.2 points per game at the moment. this certainly does not feel like one of those games. Absolutely not. I'm just looking at uh, Memphis's stats still. um, Mm -hmm. that are averaging over 24.5 points per game, like you mentioned, are really good at home. Right. Um, Their defense is actually better than UCS from what I'm seeing. Right. Look, I'm not going to say that UCS going to lose this game. I predict them to win, but I don't think this is going to be a blowout victory for them. Definitely not by 30 points. And it's certainly not. If they win by two touchdowns, that'd be a hell of a win for them. And if it's more than that, then it really shows the character of this team this season. that They're not going to play around against these kind of teams. Right. And the the stats are a bit inflated in that, you know, I just said Memphis is averaging 58 a game at home. They have played, they played Mercer, Georgia State, South Alabama, and UConn at home. So it's not like they've played powerhouses. There's arguments that, that UConn is the worst team in FBS. But all of that said, when you're scoring that much at home, when you're feeling confident, when you clearly do have talent on, on both sides of the ball, and you've been showing that, especially as of late, it's, it, it's not exactly a gimme for UCF. I definitely think they do win this game. I think it's another one of those shootout type of games. Like I mentioned when we were talking about the FAU game and I said FAU would probably be winning at some point in the second quarter. Well, that came to fruition. FAU was winning at some point in the second quarter. Wouldn't be shocked if that's happening for Memphis, but I I think UCF is obviously talented enough and, and good enough to win this game. Although I will say this week on Wednesday was Mackenzie Milton's 21st birthday. And I sure hope by Saturday he is done recovering from the inevitable hangover of turning 21. Uh, shout out to the goat hashtag money Milton for hashtag H Eisman. Uh, but, but, but uh, all jokes aside, um, you know, there's three teams in the country that have won every game by double digits. That's UCF, that's Georgia, and that's Bama. The only teams that have won every game by 20 points or more, it's UCF and it's Bama. And I, I'd like to think that the double-digit trend will continue, but I wouldn't be shocked if it didn't. I wouldn't be shocked if this came down to UCF winning a game by a touchdown. And I'd just be satisfied with a win. At Memphis is a good win. Um, Would you be shocked if they were down at halftime? I wouldn't be shocked. Um, I mean, like, I wouldn't be happy, and, and I don't expect it. I expect UCF the, – the thing is, is everyone makes fun of UCF's schedule, right? And Memphis's schedule we can make fun of. Like, I don't make fun of our schedule. What are you talking no, 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 no. We don't make fun of UCF's schedule. My point is Me- Memphis okay, is so not absolutely really It's not everybody. It's only some people. <laughs> All right. The naysayers. Some people. Josh Appel. Uh, 
Mercer, Georgia State, South Alabama, and UConn are not necessarily great wins and a great barometer. None of those teams, you could put, you could, you could merge all of those teams, put all of the best players from all of those teams together, and that team would not be close to what UCF is. So to, to, to set the bar at Memphis scoring 58 points per game and they're 4-0 at home is a little bit conflated because of the fact that they've played those teams and they haven't played anyone as good as UCF. That said, we can't go in there expecting a cakewalk. And so I, if I had to you know, wrap all of this up and say what I think the final score of this game will be, I would think it's something like 45-35, 45-31. You know, UCF's defense has been good enough. Shout out to the to the dog in the background. Uh, UCF's defense has been has been good enough uh, to be able to slow down Memphis from from their insane scoring at home. Uh, And I think their offense will continue their their high scoring ways. I don't I don't disagree with you. I think I think it might be a higher score game. Mm Ain't gonna be like last season, (laughs) right? Where, uh, where it went to double overtime and everything. I, I yes. doubt it gets that far. I was 62-55, just right. to score on that. Um, I'd say UCF scores over 40 points. Mm-hmm. Uh, both teams will definitely have over 350 uh, yards. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Rushing, passing. Um, it's going to be a high-scoring game. Yeah, uh, I got to imagine. As much as their defenses are supposed to be good, their offenses are, are, are so much stronger and right. that aspect both rushing and passing and right and like you said I, yeah I'm, I'm hoping that mckenzie has a better game than last week but mm-hmm. it's gonna be it has to come down to ucs rushing attack because they need that rushing attack to set up the offense absolutely we saw at the end of the game against uh smu otis anderson breakout finally yeah uh, not not finally he's been fantastic i just I, his usage rate is so the touches low. are very office. concerning his touches are just it's it blows my it's mind he doesn't touch the ball nearly enough uh and i i hope to see him touch the ball a little bit more between the tackles and that you know he and killens both obviously could break off big runs but the fact that we're pounding killens 25 times a game between the tackles is is worrisome. So as long as is Milton is is actually good to go and feeling healthy after the hits he took last week, uh, I don't think this will be a a blowout of a game. Like we said, I don't think they're winning this game by thirty. But you know, a couple score victory could could feel good. So I, I guess my final number, I'll I'll, I'll say forty five thirty one. Um, any any last things you'd like to add in here, Brian? I'll go forty seven thirty five. Just to just to have something different. Perfect. <laughs> all right. Awesome. Two odd numbers. <laughs> Two odd numbers. Great. Awesome. Fantastic. Uh, Pretty sure there's a safety in there, not 35. Yeah, the safe. Oh, uh, all right. Well, um, that's it for the Warren I4 podcast this week. Um, thank you all for listening to this free podcast for uh, one of the first and probably the only time that you're going to be able to listen to it for free. Maybe because it's supposed to be behind a paywall and maybe because it's actually not that good. This is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer. He hears things differently to the untrained ear. Everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.